0: Welcome to the Slam Radio podcast featuring the Dono and Frito Show.
1: Yeah, so oh, it is. It is the Dono and Frito Show, starting an hour earlier than we used to, eleven a.m. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be our thing moving forward. Eleven a.m. here on Thursdays on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Alex Dono alongside Josh Friedman, as always. Frito, it's been a couple of weeks, and last week was completely my fault. I needed some air conditioning repairs, had to schedule it right before our show was scheduled to start. You and I are both South Floridians, so we know how important it is to have your AC in working order in August in Miami. So I had to get that done. It took them longer than I'd wanted to, but as a result... No more leaking. The cooling is a lot better. So if I didn't get that fixed, I may have melted and I wouldn't be able to join today anyway. So I'm happy to be back. How are you, Frito?
2: I'm doing well. I've just found out that you and Frank have uh, no concept whatsoever. You can't differentiate between Labor Day and Memorial Day. How you mix those up, I have no idea. One's in May. One is four months later in September. One's the end of May. One's the beginning of September. Could they be more different? And you guys don't know the difference.
1: No. Could they be more alike? I mean, they're both they're both Mondays where they're not like major holidays, because like you don't like I don't know if you, you could say you observe them, but like you don't celebrate them like you don't have family reunions on those days. But school is off. Some people have work off. As I mentioned, they're both on Mondays. So like I, I know that they both happen. Like I know that one happens in May one happens in, in September, but I always get them mixed up. Like, I I, I always confuse, wait, is September, is that Labor Day or Memorial Day, May? Is that Memorial Day or Labor Day? I get them mixed up every single year. Like, I know they happen. I'm just not sure which is which.
2: Oh, man, I don't know how you mix those up. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea, but Labor Day is Monday. It's good. I mean, kids are off from school, although my wife had them convinced they have to go to school on Monday. Really? Uh, they, were freaking, they were freaking out, yeah. Um, <laughs> Your
1: wife is a prankster, huh?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And um <laughs> but uh you know uh I how does your wife off? Are you are you working on Monday? You uh, in for somebody?
1: I'm not planning on working on Monday. actually yeah, okay. the only thing I, the only thing I have Monday, which feels like work for someone who takes this as seriously as I do, I've got a fantasy football draft, my one and only fantasy football draft. And while we're on that topic, in about 20 minutes. Fantasy football guru Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports is going to join us here on Slam Radio to to help us get ready for our drafts. And because fully full disclosure, Frito, I feel less prepared than I normally would this time of year for fantasy football draft. And I blame it on a number of factors. Anything but me, because it's never my fault. With me, I'm a millennial. I, I blame everyone else but myself. I blame it on the factors of pandemic had us very distracted the NFL, no preseason, you know, less headlines coming out of training camp because it's been very limited to reporters, NBA playoffs going on, Major League Baseball going on, Stanley Cup playoffs going on. You know, I I cover uh, an MLS team, so I'm paying attention to a lot of soccer games this time of year. Like, you know, football has not been at the forefront of my brain the way that it normally would you know, first week of September. So I I feel incredibly unprepared for a fantasy football draft. So Jamie's going to fix that. What about you, Frito? You're a fantasy guy.
2: Oh, I've been doing mock drafts like crazy. Now I'm studying a magazine that I bought. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm doing – and I'm an insomniac. So a lot of times, middle of the night, I I wake up and I go back downstairs to watch TV so I don't disturb my wife. So it was like 3 in the morning, and I'm doing a mock draft last night.
1: Wow. I'm, I'm both impressed and also a little bit annoyed that you're that much more prepared than I am. Like I I have not, I mean, I'm not a big mock draft guy anyway, but I'll usually I'll go, like, I'll I'll read other people's mock drafts. Like I'll go through like the CBS sports mocks that they post and I'll read about player rankings and such. Like I, I don't really like to do mock drafts myself, but I do like to kind of get ready and look at others. The preparation that I've done for my draft that is, four nights away. So I may cram like, it, and that was the same way. When I was a student, I, I wouldn't start studying a week or two prior to the test. I would cram the night before and, you know, may oh. God have mercy on my soul when the test comes around. So I am going to have to take that same approach for fantasy.
2: How, okay. What kind of league are you in? Is it a PPR league?
1: It is half point PPR. Well, so, I don't like those. I don't like it either, but it is. And, and by the way, Frito, here's the other thing that I hate about this league that I'm in I'm very angry about this, but this is the same – I've been in this league with the same guys since 2009 maybe. So this is like the – I think the 11th uh, season we've been together, this group of guys. But just starting last year for the first time, they changed it to an auction draft. So this will be the second straight year we do auction draft. Not a fan. Uh, I I prefer the the, the regular snake draft format – We did the auction, and my team was fine. Like, my team ended up being good last year. I got all the way to the championship game, and I lost, but second place, not terrible, right? Uh, So I did all right, even with an auction draft, but I kind of felt like I got lucky because I didn't really know what I was doing with the strategy of bidding for players. And so I feel kind of terrible that the only fantasy, league, because I'm only doing one this year. I usually do two or three. I'm only doing the one league this year, and it's just an auction draft. So I kind of feel like I'm not even really getting the full experience.
2: How do you auction off every player? I would think that would take about seven weeks to do seriously. How does that happen? How does that work?
1: No, I mean, it's, it's real quick. Um, You, uh, you just, you just like make a, you make a bid on a player and then you have a certain amount of time to match the bids. And if nobody matches the bid, the highest bid wins it, then you go on to the next guy.
2: So, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, for instance, you know, okay, fine. People have been I guess you have a finite amount. So, if you blow right. a lot on one player then you, you can't bid as much in, in subsequent rounds
1: exactly so there and there's different strategies and I, I haven't been doing this long enough to know what the best strategy is but some people's strategy are you 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 decide like the first two players that you really covet and then you blow 80 90% of your bank like on your first two guys uh, i don't know if i'd recommend that strategy but some people do it that way and then and then you just kind of pick and choose value picks the rest of the way and bid a couple of bucks because, like I think usually you have a you have a fixed budget. Obviously, it's usually either a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars. I think depending on the league. And so you know maybe on your first two players you you blow eighty bucks and then you have to really find bargains the rest of the way. I tried to balance my money a little bit better throughout.
2: How many teams in your league? Twelve. Okay, we're ten team league. I still have never won. I've been doing this a million years. Oh. I made it to the finals last year on the coattails of Lamar Jackson. I drafted him in the 11th round. You know, nobody felt Lamar Jackson was going to you know, do what he did. And, and I rode him all the way to the finals. <laughs> um, so we're going you to know, wear a snake draft. Like all the drafts are, we're 10 teams PPR uh, and I'm number two and I guarantee Christian McCaffrey is going on number one. Yeah. So I'm going to, in every mock draft I'm taking Saquon Barkley. And the questions I have for Jamie are what I can get in the third and fourth round. You know, I, ah. I see some guys that should be picked sooner, and there are always guys in this draft. I don't know any of the guys. My, my one of my childhood friends runs it. He lives in Arizona. Everybody else is in Arizona, and um, so it's obviously online. And um, the, I, a couple of the guys every year they shock me with who they pick. I mean, they they pick <laughs> guys in the second and third round, and they're going in the first round, which opens up possibilities for the rest of us so i'm waiting for you know that that wow moment like what and, and i actually i don't know any of these other guys so i suggested to my friend frank can tell me if this is possible if frank's there now we're ours is on cbs sports line that's what jamie is on that's our website that we do it can we also be on a zoom call and just switch back and forth you know between cbs and that and so do the draft but if you want to see the other players you can do a zoom i don't know because that's what I suggested to my, uh, my friend. It'd be kind of, you know, be a lot of trash talking on the one page if, if you uh, mm-hmm. if you switch over. I,
1: yeah, actually, yeah, I, I don't see why not. Like, I don't see why you couldn't do that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you could. You can set up you breakout just, rooms and then um, you can actually yeah. kind of jump from room to room if you wanted to do it. That right.
3: Way. Yeah.
2: So I just suggested we do that. And uh, I also, I'm, I, I put out there, I'm taking offers for number two. I'd have to be blown away mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, do that. But uh, um you know, it's fun. I love the draft. It's always fun, and you either watch out there feeling really good or really bad. Most of the time, I feel pretty good about what I've uh, what I got. But then, boy, if you have an injury, you're toast. You're absolutely yeah. You're you're you know, you an injury to one of your first two guys, you're forget it. Unless you have incredible depth. But and, well, and, and
1: imagine and imagine this year, it's not just injuries, but like so, someone could get COVID and then get quarantined, and it's like, right. and you don't even you don't even have to be sick. Like like someone could could be asymptomatic which means theoretically they're healthy enough to play, but because they have this particular virus, they're in quarantine for two weeks.
2: We kind of we kind of guarded against that. We said our league has to go at least nine weeks to be official. If, it, if okay. the league shuts down before then, everybody gets uh, their money back. And ours is a weird league. The greatest cash that you can win is in the regular season. The person winning the regular season will make more money than the person winning the Super Bowl. You know, our- I, I, I've
1: i never done it that way, but honestly, I don't mind that idea because it's like you work so hard consistently throughout the season to have the best regular season record. And then once you get to the playoffs, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? You're single elimination, one-off fantasy games. You know, there, there's no defense, right? Because, you know, it's a, you have a team defense, but it's not like you can stop the other person's players. Like It, it gets so random once you get to that and of course there's glory in winning your championship and winning your super bowl but to me like the most impressive thing is if you can go through and uh, what's what's the regular season in fantasy like 12 13 weeks before, it's, you
2: know? it's usually 13 weeks because 13? it's a three week fantasy and you don't want to play in the 17th week cuz a lot of teams rest their guys
1: right 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 you want to no, get but, but i that mean like, but what what i'm what i'm saying is like there there have been a couple of seasons where i've I've just dominated the regular season, like I've gone 12 and one. And I, I feel like I, I deserve some kind of recognition for that. And then I get to the playoffs, you know, I'm usually the first round by if my record is that good, but I have the first round by and then in my first playoff game, I have like two catastrophic injuries that completely throw it off. And it's like, dude, I had that amazing regular season and I get nothing to show for it. So I kind of like the way you do it in your league.
2: Well, you know, I, I learned a lot from that friend of mine. His name is Doug, the childhood friend that runs it. I played him in. the First of all, five weeks to go before the playoffs, I was in last place, and I was going back and forth to Sean Watson, Lamar Jackson, and I just stuck with uh, Lamar Jackson, and uh, and I, I won five games in a row, and I tied for first. Uh, first, we met in the finals, and he picked up a defense. I think Carolina in the. I think they made the playoffs, but they were starting. A, a rookie quarterback or something or a second year player. And my friend picked up a defense that played them and scored like 31 fantasy points. I mean, oh, it was wow. such a smart play that wow. I didn't see. So guy, you know, if I make something like that, if I make, you know, the finals or something, I'm, I'm going to pull out every stop because it was, that was a such a smart play by him and it didn't occur to me.
1: So and I mean, he's different. Eisen- Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports is going to join us in the upcoming segment. In other news, Frito, I I don't know about you, but over the last week, I have done my homework that I promised you in that I have started – ah, I can tell you didn't do yours. But I I have started uh, re-watching – and I know it's your favorite show. I've seen it a couple times, but it's been 10 years since I've watched any of it. I started re-watching The Sopranos. I'm on, I think, episode 10 of season number one it's beautiful reliving this amazing show and, and something honestly that I guess I'd forgotten because it's been so long since I watched it is how funny it is, like like how how much comedy there is. Mm -hmm. So, So to me, I think one of the things that makes the Sopranos so special is, you know, suspenseful, compelling characters, compelling stories that sucks you in, but there's also so much comic relief and it really walks a perfect line of serious dramatic gangster show but it's also going to make you laugh like you're watching a comedy like it's very difficult to walk that line and it walks that line so well
2: after jamie gets off we'll uh maybe we'll talk about where you are in the show in the in the series and and like what is going on in the episodes because i want to uh relive yeah, it a little bit i, I, I you know I, I think i could quote every episode by
1: <laughs> you know by
2: line I, I know it so well but uh yeah it'd be real interesting to to uh, to hear where you are and what's going on.
1: Yeah, I, I know, and and I still, by the way, you recommended uh, two weeks ago. You rec- recommended that podcast to me that Michael Imperioli oh, does, and I, uh, I I need to start listening to that as well. Now that I'm going, well, just go to YouTube. You can the show. see that
2: if you if you go to YouTube, just search for "Talking Sopranos." You can see these guys talk. It's, oh, it's sweet! Not just on, so it's it's a video as well, and a lot of times they have guest actors from the show, so you can see them as well.
1: Oh, that's really They do really a Zoom cool. conference
2: just like we're doing now.
1: So we'll circle back to that. But when we come back, Jamie Eisenberg, fantasy football expert from CBSSports.com, is going to join us to talk a little fantasy. You're listening to the Donna Winfriedo show on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Hey, look
4: what I found a radio. Radio.
0: This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases.
3: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win.
6: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit nhtsa.gov slash seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety
3: Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with The Donovan and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. And then
4: I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? <laughs> Did you take steroids?
7: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
8: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's
5: important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told
9: me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's, now is the time to talk visit alz.org our stories to learn more a message from the alzheimers association and the ad council
4: there's no losing only learning there's no failure only opportunities and there's no problems only solutions so to me what failure is failure is the mother of all success if it wasn't for michael jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team he wouldn't have became michael jordan (laughs) you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
4: This is WWE Superstar, The Big Show, and
10: you're listening to Slam Radio.
0: And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: Dono and Frito show. We're going to be joined in a couple minutes by Jamie Eisenberg, fantasy football expert from CBS sports.com. Frito, do you play any other fantasy sports? Are you a fantasy baseball guy, fantasy basketball? I, I, I
2: used to, I used to be a fantasy baseball guy, but I tell you, Dono, you have to pay such close attention. I mean, guy gets called up by the minors and there's always some guy in the league that snags him, snags him just like that. I mean, you you know, you, and in, in our old league, if a game started, the whole league locked up. So it's like you couldn't change the starter for later that night. I loved it, but it just required way too much attention, way too much time for me to do it. So it's been probably six or seven years since I've done that.
1: I tried probably more than 10 years ago. I tried a fantasy baseball league one year, and then I got kicked out of the league for collusion in a gigantic scandal because what what I became a Patsy Frito because what happened was the commissioner of the league, who was my good friend, like I only was in the league because he begged me to join it because he needed another spot. I became like his go-to guy to make trades. Like if he wanted to make some trade to get one of my good players and pass along a crappy player to my team, I said, go ahead. I don't really care. I don't really know what I'm doing. So it was uncovered by the league that we are part of some collusion scandal. Somehow he kicked me out of the league to keep his spot when the collusion was his fault. I, oh my I barely, spoke it was a huge scandal. The fantasy collusion scandal of 2009 is what I call it. It was a big, big disaster.
2: You still friends with this guy?
1: Not really. And I don't really like I never really liked him that much anyway. Like, have, you, have you ever had uh, and of course, this would not apply to you or Frank, but have you ever had like a friend who like you don't really like that much? But, you, you know, you've been like childhood friends. You've known them forever. So it's it's more of like a friendship of uh, I'm not going to say convenience, convenience but yeah, maybe, okay. maybe. But it's just like a, you, you've been friends with that person for so long, even though you hate them, you're still friends with them, which I would never say that about our great friend who's on with us now. Jamie Eisenberg, fantasy football expert from CBSSports.com. Jamie, I know this is a busy time of year for you, sir. How are you? How you been?
10: I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you guys. How are you?
1: Uh, oh, doing awesome. Great, doing great to talk to you. And uh, and first things first, Jamie, um, I I feel wholly unprepared for this fantasy season. I have my my first and only draft is coming up on uh, on Labor Day, so we we desperately need to talk to you. But is fantasy football is it? Is there like a, like less buzz than usual this year because of COVID, because of uncertainty in the past over players opting out, because there, there's so much else going on in the sports world now? Is this looking like, like it might be kind of a down year overall for fantasy sports?
10: I think the way that you uh, introduced me kind of summed it up. It snuck <laughs> up on you, right? So yeah, I, it I did. What we're, seeing, what we're seeing is it's sneaking up on people as the calendar turns to September, and you're realizing, wait a minute, the NFL starts in, in 10 days and now we're, you know, at the weak point where it starts next Thursday. So, you know, you're getting a little bit of a scramble effect of uh, reaching out to your league. Hey, are we still doing it? You know, especially the casual fantasy player. Now, you, you're probably going to find in some cases that somebody may reach out and say, oh, you know, we, re- we replaced you <laughs> uh, because you, you waited too long <laughs> to contact us. Uh, but we have seen a, a really strong late push, uh, you know, at the end of August and the beginning of September. I don't think it's just COVID-related. I think it's just a, a combination of a lot of things. But obviously, you, know, you can't overlook the fact that COVID has changed our world. Um, no preseason games, you know, so you're not seeing football on TV. There hasn't been, you know, major buzz. You know, Leonard Fournette gets released and signed by the Buccaneers. It's a big thing in the fantasy world. It's a, you know, a big thing to an extent in the NFL world. But at the same time, there's NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs going on. Baseball's still going on, you know. So there's other sports that are diverting attention, and so people are sort of, you know, not necessarily focused on football to the same extent. But like I said, we're seeing a late push. Uh, I have certainly seen a huge uptick in my social media, my 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 uh, media requests, you know, to do radio shows, etc. Uh, it's all kind of happening one at uh, one at a time. So the avalanche is sort of happening right now.
2: Well, it's great to talk to you, Jamie. And uh, you know, it's been a it's been a while, so I'm very glad to have you. Uh, on our show. I'm unlike Dono. I've done a ton of mock drafts and, and I do them all the time. I know mean, they're largely the same, I, although I, sometimes someone picks a, a player that's different, so some players fall to me and not. I, I want to ask you about some specific players. Uh, let me tell you about my league and just if you tell me if these are good values uh, or not? Now, my first pick is easy. I'm in a 10 team league, it's PPR with a flex position. I pick second, and McCaffrey goes first every time, and I pick Saquon Barkley second. And I love that. I think it's a a great pick. Coming around is where I'm wondering. A lot of times I can get a guy who I think should probably go in the first or mid-second round, a guy like Joe Mixon. I can probably get him at the end of the second or the beginning of the third. That seems like a long time for a guy of his caliber to last that long. Agree or disagree?
10: Oh, I I totally agree. Uh, And and you you may see him, you know, he, he sort of started the draft process in the you know, as high as like seven or eight overall, especially if you know you're in a league that takes running backs early, and then he had this, you know, I'm using quotes migraine situation, which was probably uh, you know sitting out because of a contract scenario, and then he contracts the contract. exactly. Mm-hmm. So all all of a sudden he's back in practice and everything's good to go. The migraines are gone. <laughs> so $28 dollars cures a lot of headaches. Um, you know, so I, I think from the standpoint, of, excuse me, forty eight million dollars. Um, so I think from the standpoint of you know him being locked into what looks to be a dominant role. If you can get him in that spot, that's amazing. Uh, I took him in the second round of a 10-team draft myself, but I had the, uh, the sixth pick, so it was a little bit sooner in the second round. But I think any, any of those top-tier running backs that you're able to get, especially in a 10-team league, he's a little bit more challenging in a 12-team league, which is what most people play in. But any of those top-tier running backs you can get in the second round. The wide receiver value that we see in rounds three, four, and in, in a lot of cases round five as well, it's just amazing, and so if you can start your team with two running backs, it's not a bad move to make. Uh, what you're going to end up seeing in your range, uh, you know, when you pick toward the front of the first round, and again the back end of the second round, uh, maybe George Kittle falls. That's a good guy to clearly target. Uh, the quarterbacks may be there, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, depending on how your league values those players. Uh, but wide receivers are going to be in there in, in that range as well, and, and a lot of good ones. Chris Godwin, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins falls to that spot. Uh, you can get a really good wide receiver as well.
2: What about a guy? A guy, and I don't know about this one. I mean, I, Nick Chubb is a very talented running back, but Kareem Hunt might be the best quote backup, if you want to call him that, in the league. And at one, I wonder, it, it, does it give you any hesitation at all to take Chubb really high because Hunt could get in there at a moment's notice?
10: I, the only thing I, I think it gives me some hesitation is in round one in a PPR league, as opposed to round two. You know, it, it, it's kind of splitting okay. hairs because if you have a pick, you know, ten through twelve and you're picking right away again in the second round, you're saying, okay, I'm not going to take Chubb here, but I'm glad to take him in the second round. You know, it's kind of, you know, a minor detail. But I think what you're going to see is a little bit of a downtick in the rushing performance because Hunt will do a little bit more than we saw when he came back from his suspension. But I also think we'll see more from Chubb in the passing game, which almost disappeared when Hunt was part of the team last year. So the reports that we're getting, you know, I've talked to a couple people that are around the Browns. Is It is going to be a little bit closer to a 50-50 split. I'd probably say 60-40 in favor of Chubb. But the benefit of that is the new head coach and Kevin Stefanski, who comes from Minnesota, and they were so run-down mm-hmm. last year. And so, with the Browns adding two offensive linemen, we're trying to limit the mistakes for Baker Mayfield, who was top five in interceptions last year. I know they have Odell Beckham, they add Austin Hooper, but the strength of this team is going to be their running backs. So, I wouldn't be afraid of Chubb still having a monster season.
2: If at the end of the second, beginning of the third, I could get good running backs, would you go three running backs to start off with and no wide receivers?
10: It's not bad in a 10 team league because, again, you know, you're, you're losing two fantasy managers, so the, the, the wide receiver talent gets pushed up even more. And so, if you mm-hmm. start your team with three straight running backs, let's just say you end up with uh, Barkley, Mixon, and maybe a guy like Aaron Jones or James Conner, who could be there in the early part of the third. Those are three of the top 15 running backs that's hard to overlook, especially with two guys, you know, that should catch the ball at a very high level. And then you come back in that round four, five, six range, and you could be looking at guys like Terry McLaurin. Uh, maybe one of the Rams guys, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Allen Robinson could fall to that range. Um, I like DJ Chark. I think he's gonna have a big season for the Jaguars. Uh, some 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 high upside players like Marquise Brown and Wolf Fuller. There's a little boomer bust value to those guys, but if they hit, they could be fantastic. So uh, especially if you only start two of them, it's a really good move to make to go receiver uh, to go running back, running back, running back. And again, if those guys slip to you at the back end of round two, a guy like a Mixon, uh Chubb, you know. And again, early early round three, James Conner. It's a, it's a good strategy to employ.
1: Jamie Eisenberg from CBSSports.com is with us. Get ready for some fantasy football. So uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, not always been over the years, the best fantasy quarterback. But what, Jamie, do you say about Tom Brady's situation now in Tampa Bay? I mean, you mentioned Leonard Fournette. He's got a, a lot of weapons around him. So how do you feel about TB 12's fantasy prospects?
10: Uh, I think the Bucks have built a pretty good fantasy roster. You know, if you tell me Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Hassan McCoy, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, that's a fantasy team. <laughs> you know, so yep. uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to see how it all works with a, a creative genius like Bruce Arians. Uh, so when it comes to Brady, you know, he steps into an offense that a year ago the quarterback threw for 5,000 yards and 30-plus touchdowns. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston did, but that's the offense that Bruce Arians likes to have, a vertical offense with two great wide receivers. Now you add a tight end in the mix, and I think O.J. Howard will be a little bit better as well. So Brady's a guy that's still going to be a number one fantasy quarterback. I, I like the way you let into it. He hasn't been the best fantasy quarterback. He's been startable, you know, and it really started with that Randy Moss season. So from that point forward, he's been in that starting range, and in some cases he's been a top three fantasy quarterback. But it hasn't been consistent year over year. The concern is obviously the age. Uh, You know, you asked about the COVID um, scenario related to fantasy. Well, the COVID-related scenario to the players and the teams is the lack of offseason. So he's still, you know, trying to get up to speed. And there may be a little bit of a hiccup at the start of the season as he gets, on, you know, game action. But he's a smart guy. Bruce Arians is a smart coach. Their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, is, I think, going to be a head coach at some point. And so there's a lot to like about the scenario, especially with the talented guys around him. So I don't put Brady in the top five, but he's in that next group of six to ten. And if you get him as your starter, you should be happy about it.
1: I'm sure you've been following very closely the Alvin Kamara situation. Uh, as, far, as far as his fantasy value, how much of a difference uh, will it make whether he's a saint or not?
10: Well, I think he's going to be a saint. You know, the fact that he returned to practice on Wednesday is a good sign. Uh, I mean, we all have kids. The fact that I heard him getting an epidural didn't make me sound very good, you know, for uh, an NFL player a week out from the season. Um, I've never had an epidural myself, but I, I, I know you know uh, the, the child birthing process, that seems to be a big part of it. So uh, hopefully he's okay and that back is fine. You know That's probably a little bit of a bigger concern. But, again, I think it's similar to Mixon. Uh, migraines equals contract. Back pain equals contract. Uh, if he gets paid, I'm sure he's 100% healthy. So I, I would imagine, you know, given the fact that this is a Super Bowl team, uh, the Saints can easily get to the you know the NFC championship game and and, and get over the hump and, and maybe make a Super Bowl run. They have all the pieces in place, and he's a big part of it. He's their third best player on offense. You can argue that he's the best, you know, with uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. So I have a draft tonight that I share with my brother-in-law and team that we share together. Uh, we have the fourth pick. If Alvin Kamara is there, we're taking
2: it. A guy that, uh, you know, look, in Patrick Mahomes in his second year, he had 50 touchdowns after sitting all but – one game in his, in his rookie season. We saw what Lamar Jackson did last year, unanimous MVP. I'm not saying this guy is in their category, but Kyler Murray is going into a second year after being offensive rookie of the year. I'm really, really high on this guy. I really like him a lot. And at least if Max Rasser, had any indication, I could probably get him in round five, maybe even round six. And I picked him ahead of like Brady, even Russell Wilson. How do you like him at that value? And what do you think he's going to do in a sophomore campaign?
10: I think the sky's the limit. You know, I don't think he's going to have a Mahomes or Jackson season just based on, you know, how this offense is going to operate. I do think the run game is going to be really good if Kenyon Drake is healthy. But you don't add DeAndre Hopkins and get worse. (laughs) You know, so I think, you know, Murray, as you showed us last year, he was top three in rushing yards. We always love those running quarterbacks. He's in a great system with a great head coach in terms of what the offensive production should be. And so when you look at the other weapons as well, you know, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald still, you know, doing his thing, even though he's 100 years old. Um, Andy Isabella is going to be a good sports receiver. They like Dan Arnold as the tight end there, so uh, there's a lot to like about him. He's in that group of guys, so Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson are the first two quarterbacks that will go off the board in every draft, and they should. And then there's four other guys that come after him. You mentioned one in Russell Wilson. You got Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. And so if you like Murray best of all those guys, which I can't argue that he is, you know, I have them all back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back in my top 200. You know, they're certainly back-to-back-to-back to back in my top quarterback rankings, but uh, Murray, you know, I think is is, is right there. Uh, the fact that he has the chance to contend to be a top three fantasy quarterback is, is, is easily on the table. So, you know, round five, I think, is good value for him, especially if you build your team the way that you're starting to plan it. Uh, if you get him round six, that's even better. So the thing I think you want to do is kind of tier the quarterbacks. And so you'll probably see Dak go off the board first as that next group of guys. And once you see that, you know, the the flags go up and say, OK, now I need to make it a priority to get Kyler Murray.
1: Last thing here for Jamie Eisenberg, cbssports.com. Now, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, and over the years, I tend to avoid at all costs, you know, not 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 in every scenario, but I, I tend to avoid drafting and adding Miami Dolphins to my fantasy team because it only brings me extra frustration when they don't do well. It's like double frustration, but I did get a lot of very good games from Devontae Parker last year. Uh, which players, uh, and I'm sure Devontae would be included in that, have the most fantasy upside in Miami?
10: You know, Parker will be the one that's drafted first. Um, I don't know if I want to draft him first, though, based on where you might have to get him. So if he's going in round five, that's too soon for me. Round six, I think, is okay. Round seven is better. But if I have to take a Dolphins wide receiver, I'm just going to wait out Preston Williams because what we saw last year, the three games prior to Preston Williams getting hurt, he started to emerge really as the number one receiver for Miami. Now, they were shuffling quarterbacks. You know this. You cover the team. Uh, you're around the team, you know, both you guys uh, clearly know what the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, that whole mess at the start of the season that they were trying to figure out if Rosen would play. Now you know Fitzpatrick is the guy. And so when Fitzpatrick comes in, as long as he's the starter in 2020, I think both receivers are going to benefit. But I do think Preston Williams, based based on cost, is the one that I like better because if he's right, you know the target's going to be there for both those guys after Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opted out. You know, the the depth chart behind them is just a bunch of guys. So – We'll see if these two guys can just soak up targets. So, again, I'd rather wait out Preston Williams close to round 10. I think he could be just as good as Devontae Parker, maybe better. And then I like Mike Isecki a lot, another guy that clashed at the end of the season. You know, we'll see what happens when Tua Tagovailoa takes over because you know at some point that's going to happen. We'll see if those guys continue to produce at a high level. But at the start of the season, I think all three of those receivers should be good. And then in terms of the backfield, I think Matt Breed is the one that I like the best, especially in PPR because Chan Gailey likes pass-catching guys. Jordan Howard really hasn't done that in his career. He's heard a lot of times, Chicago, Philadelphia, the coaches have said, we're going to try, we're going to try, we're going to try. They never do. So Breda, I think, is the better one in PPR. Non-PPR could be Jordan Howard just because he'll probably score more touchdowns.
1: Great stuff, and we really appreciate it. Follow this man on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg and check out his work. CBSSports.com, the fantasy page is, is excellent. He, he and his colleagues do great work. Jamie, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Thanks, Jamie.
10: Good
2: talking to you guys. Good luck with your dress. Thank
10: you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. I mean, uh, getting fantasy advice from the guru. I
2: know we got to go to break. I say sorry about him when we got back.
1: Love it. So we'll hear that one. we return with you till 1 o'clock today, the Dono and Frito Show.
0: Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
3: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win.
6: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with the Donovan and Frito Show on SiriusXM XM 145 Slam Radio.
4: <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, hey, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apolo, too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't You call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manualapola. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manualapola? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa? Tua Nigga Manualapola? Tunga Vailoa? Tunga Vailoa? Tunga Vailoa? Tunga Vailoa? Tunga Vailoa? See, that sounds much better, that one.
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on 6M 145, Slam Radio.
8: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for
5: you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me,
9: Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's, Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
4: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. (laughs) you you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow. Rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
10: Yo, Sway Calloway, Sway in the morning, world famous, wake up show TV, we worldwide, welcome to Slam Radio, this is where they get busy.
0: For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yeah,
1: Slam Radio. Serious XM Channel 145, Alex Dono, Frito with you, the Dono and Frito Show till one o'clock today. Thanks again, huge thanks to Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports.com, and you know, Frito. I, I've known Jamie for a bit, but I think I think you've known Jamie even longer than I have.
2: I've known him since probably uh, 2000, something like that. I've known him for a oh 20- wow, way oh. I,
1: I've known him for maybe six years. Wow, you go. Oh no, no, I knew I knew
2: him when he was a writer from the Palm Beach Post. So I've oh. known him a, a long, long time. Yeah. Um, Years ago, it was like, and I would not know how long ago. It was three years ago, my wife and our two kids and I took a vacation in, in Hawaii. We were on Maui, and I, you know, I wanted something like to read by the pool. The weird resort with like five pools, but I wanted something to read by there. So, our fantasy draft was coming up fairly soon, and um, I went. And so there, in Maui in Lahaina, the, the, the town there, there was a Barnes and Noble. So I went to Barnes and Noble. I went to the magazine section. I wanted to buy a fantasy magazine. And I start. My wife said I can talk to anybody. I start talking to this guy. He's looking through. him. He's a little bit older than I am, I'm guessing. And he said he and his buddies have been doing fantasy for probably 35 years now. I mean, they started oh right as they, like before the
10: internet. Enough,
2: yeah, long enough, exactly. Long enough so that some of the original guys, like two or three of them, in his in his uh, group, had died. They needed to replace them. But we're, we're, we started talking, and I don't know how his name came up. But I eventually told the guy what I did. And I said, Yeah, you know, a good friend of mine, a guy Jamie Eisenberg, you know, he comes on the show and he gives us fantasy advice. Da, da, da. And I said, Here's the CBS magazine. And you can see it lists his name right there. I think I even met on the cover. They said, You know Jamie Eisenberg? I said, I don't very well know. <laughs> Here's the guy who lives in California. He was on vacation in Hawaii. So, I, I, I Jamie Eisenberg, I mean, we're we, 6,000 miles away and we're talking about him and he's very well known.
1: Yeah it's funny you say that because it's weird because like I know I know Jamie's a national guy but since he lives in the area like I don't always think of him that way when he really is but like Frito he he's got to be like one of the two or three most famous fantasy football celebrities like who who else would you even put in there like uh, Matthew Barry from ESPN I think that's their main fantasy guy but Jamie Eisenberg is right up there. Like, I George Richard from C. Like, I, I don't even know how many people you would put in the Mount Rushmore of fantasy football celebrities, but Jamie's right up there, man. Like, I, I don't know if I definitively put anybody above him.
2: No, he's a, he is absolutely. And this guy, I know, Doug, who's the commissioner of our league, I used to tell him when I was doing the nighttime show, oh, Jamie's coming on, and he would tune in and listen to the, the fantasy advice. And Doug just texted me right now about something. And, uh, and I decided, Screw it! He picks ahead of me. He's gonna pick Christian McCaffrey. I'm not giving him any free advice. I'm not telling him we had a, we had Jamie on this show. That's yeah. That's, you know, there's no way I'm telling him. I'm not gonna give give him uh, any kind of an advantage. Forget it.
1: Oh, that's crazy. So yeah, people all over the United States. Even if you're outside the continental United States, you're in Hawaii. I bet they love him in Alaska too. Everybody knows. <laughs> Jv Eisenberg and Frito. I know we wanted to talk some Sopranos. It's your mm-hmm. favorite show ever. It's it's one of my favorite that shows. That West Wing. Yep. Ah, uh, see, I've I've never watched West Wing, so maybe I got to get into that at some point in the future. But like, I, I love Sopranos, but I hadn't, I had, and I've seen it all the way through twice. Right. Okay. Right. But I haven't watched any of it. Hadn't watched any of it in at least a decade. Like, I think two thousand nine, two thousand ten was the last time that I watched it all the way through. I recently restarted it, and like I, I remember, I remembered most of the major details. But one thing I'd forgotten was like really how funny the show is. Like it's not mm-hmm. only a very gripping drama with compelling stories and characters, but it's also laugh out loud funny at times. And uh, and so I was looking through the episode list so I could verify where exactly I am because you know I, I'm a big fan of the binge watch. So sometimes you know the, the next episode just starts playing, I lose track of what number I'm on. So the last episode that I have watched, Frito, as of I think two days ago, mm-hmm. was uh, was season one, episode eleven. This was when Tony gets the tip from his uh, from his law enforcement guy that uh, I, I'm assuming I can say this name on the air. Why the hell not? Big Pussy is is uh, is mm-hmm. their is their buddy is their buddy in the mob. Tony gets the tip that Big Pussy might be wired up, right? That he might be an informant, and so this is the episode where. Tony starts to suspect something and he has Paulie. you know, Pauly takes him to the sauna to see if he'll take his shirt off. He refused to take the shirt off. So you're starting to see like the really compelling, difficult dilemma that Tony has is like, how far does he have to go if his friend, his buddy of so many years is actually going to rat everybody out?
2: Yeah. They've known each other since they were uh, essentially kids. And now to, to think that his buddy would, would rat him out. And, and later we find out at least later, in season one, I, I'm not going to wear that spoiler where something thing has been off the air for, for 13 years. We found out that uh-huh. Jimmy at the time was a rat. You know, another big, uh, husky, right. dark-haired guy that, uh, you know, Jimmy's a rat, and uh, and, and they, they kill him pretty quickly. Um, Pussy actually doesn't die until a season later, the end of season two. And, I, and think about the actor Vincent story I mean, you're on this great show that's now become iconic. It's Now, we're going back to the year 2000. It's caught fire. I mean, it's the yeah. greatest thing on television. And guess what? You're going to be killed off. You're going to.
10: Oh. And,
2: and we had Steve Sharipa on our old show, the guy who played uh, Bobby Bakalov. And if, if David Chase, the executive producer, called and said, I'm coming over, you knew you were going to die. You knew your character
10: yeah. was uh,
2: just going to go. Now, one of the ironic things about you and I were talking in the break about Goodfellas. And, uh, and The Sopranos, there is a ton of actors from Goodfellas, which was made in the early 90s, 91, uh, I think, that are in The Sopranos. Even Tony Sirico played Pauly Walnuts, yeah. has a small role in there. I, yeah, I uh, forgot
1: he was in that. I'm going to have to, the next time I watch Goodfellas, I'm going to look for him.
2: Well, he, it's not very big. You know, he's like outside the cab stand and, and, you know, Paul Sorbino comes, looks at the guys making a lot of noise and everybody shuts up. And, and Tony Sirico says to, to Pauli's brother, you know, you started this. He started, so he doesn't have many lines, but you can see him in, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a few episodes. And Tony Cerrico, by the way, I don't know if he knew this, in real life was arrested like almost 30 times, spent four years in prison for armed robbery. And um, but you remember Michael Imperioli, who went on to play Christopher Moltisanti in The Sopranos uh, and wrote five episodes, very talented guy. Um, you know, he played Spider. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in in Goodfellas, who was killed by Joe Pesci. And he was shot in the foot, one scene, and then killed in a subsequent scene. And in Sopranos, very early in season one, he's asked to pick up some, some pastries, and he goes to a I bakery. He's got yeah. a I dragon,
1: watched that one a few and, days ago.
2: And he shoots the clerk in the foot, and the clerk says, you know, you shot me in my effing foot, and Michael so says, oh, hey, it, happens. it happened. <laughs> Which I think is an absolute homage to yeah. the to Goodfellas. I mean, it's ironic that he got shot in Goodfellas, and now he's shooting someone else in the foot. Uh, and if you notice, by the way, the, the customer that got taken ahead of him, this very heavy guy, was just an actor at the time playing this customer. He later went on, in, in, in subsequent seasons, to play Vito, the, 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 the captain, one of the captains in Tony's crew, who later was discovered to be a, a closet homosexual. It was the same actor that just brought brought back in a completely different role.
1: Yeah, and something, uh, one thing I'd forgotten in, I'm on season one, as mentioned, rewatching the show was, at what point, Frito, is it not until season two, or is it near the end of season one that Tony's sister, Janice, debuts? Because because so far, I've only seen her as like a child in a flashback, like the, yeah. the actress who plays her has the, I she, to she, she, yeah, Aida Totoro, she becomes a huge part of the show, like a gigantic right. part of the show, and I I completely forgotten that she's not in season one.
2: It was, I think, the end of season one. It could have been the beginning of season two. And, uh, and then in season two, for 10 episodes, she was involved, uh, or at least Richie April came in. Remember him? There? Yeah. Remember oh, yeah. That?
1: Yeah. He, he got I'll out of the joint, what, right? And, he, and then he showed up. Right.
2: And then the first episode, he's in there, he runs over a guy with his car, deliberately. Yeah. And he had very scary <laughs> eyes. I mean, the actor who played him, David Proval, he's extremely scary eyes. He was just frightening when he came on camera. And to show you what a good actor he was, the first time I noticed him, now here he is, this mobster, this menacing, mean monster of a mobster that would just kill anybody at the the drop of a hat. The first time I saw that actor, he was in West Wing playing a rabbi. No way. (laughs) That's versatility, man. (laughs) We played a rabbi. (laughs) And so um, what else has happened in season one? Did they have – David Scatino, the one that that, that played in Tony's poker game and and lost $45,000, did they have – has that happened yet?
1: No, I don't think so.
2: Okay, it's a childhood friend of his, and uh, maybe that happens in season two. And, um, you know, he wants to play in Tony's real big poker game called the executive game, and Tony – tries to talk him out of it. This game isn't for you. It is not for you. And he goes, no, no, I can handle it. He goes, no, no, it's – I mean – and because he said my guys play deep they play really deep and he ends up losing tons of money and eventually goes bankrupt and uh and eventually moves away and gets in a mental hospital i mean just because wow. of a, he's an addicted gambler and uh and, but i guess that happened in uh in uh in season two but uh is there anything that stands out thus far you have watched 10 episodes that's a lot of episodes
1: yeah um no, I mean, uh, you know, the, the the whole thing, like it's still, I'm still in disbelief even watching the show through for the third time now. The, the, the whole dynamic with his mother. I mean, it's crazy. And one thing, Frito, watching this now, uh, you know, a guy in my mid-30s compared to when I first watched the show, like in my 20s and then mid-20s when I watched it the second time is, mm-hmm. the, the, the family stuff hits a lot closer to home, right? And just the idea that Tony's mother is so bitter that he, he puts her in what's a really, really nice uh, retirement community, but she thinks of it as a nursing home. The fact that she's so bitter about that, that she's like actually willing to manipulate to try to get him clipped and, and taken out and that she could be that vengeful even against her own son. And, and, and it really makes you understand the therapy thing more, right? I mean, if you're wondering why this big bad mob boss is seeking therapy, when you have a mother who's capable of, of that sort of uh, emotional detachment, it's no wonder the guy's completely screwed up. It's no wonder the guy's in therapy.
2: It's funny because I knew her years ago in a series in the seventies. Her name is Nancy Marchand. She long ago passed away. Uh, She played a newspaper publisher, uh, in a, in a series called Lou Grant. And you know, she's this miserable, depressed character in Sopranos. They said in real life, she was incredibly hilarious. Just complete, complete opposite. Yeah. And, um, and I'm trying to think, I had one more story to tell you about that. Um, I, I, uh, I just can't remember right now about uh, the And something- she, uh,
1: and, and she, unfortunately she passed away like right. while they were filming season three. Right. And they, and they had to like really rewrite the show mm. because of her, because, because she, because her relationship with Tony was so pivotal to making that show go. And then when the actress passed away and they had to write her off of the show, like, like that. That I, I remember reading that that really changed the direction of it.
2: Oh, they did, and then, so what they did is they focused a lot on, uh, you know, on the kids in terms of, uh, you know, the, the son and the, uh, you know, and, and the daughter. So, uh, yeah, they were going to focus on her, and you know, the thing is, would, would she have testified against Tony because they couldn't stand right. each other? You know, would, would they? So it's, just, you know, oh, here's what I want to tell you is some of the great. I love some of the great scenes when he's in with Dr. Melfi, you know, his therapist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and she was offered the role well, I was offered the role. They wanted her to read for the role that she was in Goodfellas
1: uh, also, by the way.
2: Right. Yeah, she played Ray Liotta's wife in, in Goodfellas. And they wanted her to read for um, uh, Carmela Soprano. And she said, no, I've already done a mob wife. I don't want to do another mob wife. I've oh, wow. been there, done that. How about putting me as Dr. Melty? And she got that role. You wow. know, And I thought she was she was just great. They were just great. And then they had terrific scenes. In, uh, you know, between her and James Fiend.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, and the actress uh, who did play Carmela, uh, I Edie, think did a fantastic. Uh, Edie Falco. Edie Falco. Edie Fal- I mean, she, she did such a good job that I, I think it, it, ended up, it ended up read- being perfect the way they cast it.
2: Well, in that Talking Sopranos podcast, they talk about uh, one week that with the guests were the two casting directors for the show. And they were great stories about who tried out for this or who tried out for that. I think Edie Falco was the only one that ever read for Carmela Soprano. They just decided, "Wow, this is it. You just know she read for it. Bam. She. She. Nobody else is going to do better. You're hired."
1: The only, uh, was she in a lot of other stuff? Because I can only ever remember seeing Edie Falco in one, uh, I mean, she later she was in stuff like Nurse Jackie, but like I'm thinking before The Sopranos, because the only thing I remember seeing Edie Falco in before The Sopranos, she had a very small part in uh, the Howard Stern movie, Private Parts. She played like a friend of Howard's mom in the car, you know, when the, in like a flashback to when Howard was a kid. Really? I've seen that movie yeah.
2: a lot. I got to go back on that now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edie, I remember, because I can remember re-watching private parts, like, year years after I watched The Sopranos. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Carmela Soprano. Is uh, She's got a small part, like, a, you know, I think she was only in maybe one or two scenes in the movie, but she played a friend, I think, of Howard Stern's mom, and oh, that's where I've seen Edie Falco.
2: Well, I mean, years ago, I don't know the name of the movie, but it was a movie that I didn't recognize the title. James Gandolfini and Aida Saturo, who played his sister in The Sopranos, were in a movie together. Oh wow! You were know, before The Sopranos, so you know you, you, you get that. And the guy who played Johnny Sack, who came in a little bit later, uh, you know, he said, "Oh, I'd known James Gandolfini for years, but I didn't know he was in this thing called The Sopranos." And finally, when I was hired, I went to the set. I'm like, "Oh my God, it's you!" You know, they wow. just uh, you know he said we used to go drinking down the block. You know, at this one, <laughs> you know, Tony Sirico was there and James Gandolfini, and you know, I guess it, it seems like a very small fraternity.
1: It really does. All right, so we're going to take you for one more hour. 12 noon hour of the and Frito Show is coming your way next here on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio.
4: Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio.
0: This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
3: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch your soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win.
6: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and
3: the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with the Donald and Frito show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. <laughs> Good morning, amigo.
4: And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold Did you take steroids?
7: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145, Slam Radio.
8: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important
5: for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me,
9: Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's, Now is the time to talk. Visit ALZ.org Our Stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
4: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. (laughs) you you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, a rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
4: This is WWE Superstar, The Big Show, and you're listening to
10: Slam Radio.
0: And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Oh yeah.
1: Twelve noon hour of the Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam one forty five. So Frito, uh you mentioned to me, and I, I'm loving all these connections between Sopranos and Goodfellas. Uh you mentioned you got another one of those and, and then we'll uh we'll move on and talk some other things, but I'm looking forward to hearing this.
2: Do you remember? Okay, in, in, in season one, this old Hasidic Jewish guy and his son, they owned a hotel. Slomo. Slomo, yeah. And he needed to get rid of the son-in-law. son-in-law wants a divorce from his daughter, and they needed to get rid of him. He wanted half the hotel. The son-in-law did. So the old actor that played Shlomo was in Goodfellas and played a pretty major role. Do you know who really? he was? No. He was Maury, Maury of Maury's Wigs.
1: Oh, no So-in-law. way. That was Shlomo?
2: That's Shlomo, <laughs> the same guy who uh, so um, that was Maury's Wigs. Yeah, he was the same guy. And they're like, wow, okay, that's, that's just weird. Yeah, that's the same guy who played Maury.
1: Jesus, it sounds like when David Chase started casting Sopranos, he just said, get me the call sheet for Goodfellas from, you know, nine years ago, and I'm just going to put everybody in my show. And it worked. It yeah, worked out. You got people with mob experience. I like it.
2: Yeah. And by the way, when we had Steve Shrip on our show, one of the things he said, you know, we talked about when characters are killed off. Remember, he told us that it was really the custom. When actors in that show were killed off, they went to the restaurant that he recommended to us, Il Cortil
1: right in L-
2: he said we went there that's where we you know celebrate not celebrate whatever they you know they had a last get together for whoever that actor was and my wife and I and kids in March of 2019 we went to uh to New York and I said we got to go to try this place so we went to the restaurant very good wow. really good
1: so when you were there did you get a chance to maybe ask the maitre d if mm-hmm. it was if he'd been around long enough that he remembered all that stuff were, were there people there who, who knew about that
2: I told him, I said, look, you're not going to know who I am. I said, but I, you know, host a talk show in Miami, a sports talk show, but we had Steve Shrip on. Oh my God, Steve, he has his own table here. You know, so <laughs> <No> he,
1: <way. laughs> he said he used
2: to live right above us.
9: Oh, that's. And crazy. so
2: the Schripp, they know him very, very well. And, you know, I said, yeah, he was, you know, he recommended this place. And, and so I, you know, I'll talk about it when I get back on the, you know, on the air, but I said, he recommended this, So here we are. It's our final night in, uh, you know, in Manhattan, we're flying back to Miami tomorrow. And when they dropped off the bill or the check, um, he came instead of the waiter. I'm like, why? Why is he coming? He goes, huh. well, because you had Steve Boney recommended this place. We're taking the wine off your bill. Oh, that's my so wife. cool. That was very, very nice. Of him. Yeah. I hope so, you got an
1: expensive we, bottle then.
2: That's right. It was a great, great food. You know, it was just <laughs> fantastic. So what little, 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 I guess it used to be a big deal in there, but now it's down to like a block. That's it.
1: Well, and like, and the thing, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to pretend I keep up a whole lot with this stuff, but I, I, I've read in a couple places, Frito, that like people are wondering how New York City is even going to recover because they, they've really been struggling. I mean, they were hit so hard early on by the pandemic, and mm-hmm. you know, with, with the economy taking a hit, it's so expensive to live in the city that people are moving out of the city, and you mm-hmm. know, the real estate market's having trouble there. So I, I don't know. It's, and obviously, I'm, I'm not traveling to New York City anytime soon. But I, I wonder if if I went over there today, if it would be a ghost town. Like I, I just wonder how things are doing up there.
2: I don't even know if people allowed to eat in restaurants. You know, here they're not. You can eat outside, and well, I mean, I, I think now they you can start to on they did. Monday. They reopened. They did yeah. this past Monday. You can start. To eat. I still don't want to eat inside. i was still, you know, very nervous to do so. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, you look down these streets. They sometimes take pictures of streets in New York, and it's it's a ghost town. Wow. You know, so it was good. shoulder to shoulder people, thousands of people. You know, you go to Times Square. We went to Times Square. It was packed. Now, I, I, what, what's, what's New Year's Eve going to be like? I know, by the way, that doctors are worried. Uh, we're gonna, we'll get back to something a little less serious mm-hmm. this weekend because there was such a, a surge in cases after Memorial Day. What's it going to be like after Labor Day?
1: I mean, and since I always get Memorial Day and Labor Day mixed up, I don't know. I'm just going to, out of confusion, I'm going to stay home, Frito. I'm going to wear my mask. Uh, well, not if I stay home, but I'm going to stay home to myself and just wait until Memorial Day is over. Then I'll go out uh, after that.
2: You know, we talk about our personal lives here on the show. I've got to ask you, because I saw you tweet about this. About now, now you, know, you know me from when we hosted our show. I couldn't come to work in the morning without stopping to get my Dunkin' Donuts coffee When I make coffee here at home, I buy in in the grocery store, Dunkin' Donuts, ground coffee. And I saw you were in a Dunkin' Donuts. uh, What was it, yesterday?
1: Yeah, so I was on my way to Inter-Miami Stadium yesterday. I was working on their broadcast yesterday evening, and I needed my coffee fix. I'm an addict. Caffeine, it's great. So I stop at a Dunkin' Donuts to pick up my double espresso. Well, not even to pick it up. Like I, I didn't place the online order. I just went in. And there was only one other person in the store. Right. And Mm -hmm. very, very strange, frantic individual, like seemed like a nice enough guy, but a little, you know, kind of rambling as if, you know, maybe wasn't really all there. Okay. As I'm walking in, I can overhear him having a conversation with the store clerk at the Dunkin Donuts. He's asking her if they're hiring like if he can apply for a job and she's like politely telling him well you know uh, he asked her oh do you take applications are you the one who does the interviews she told him well no but we have an easy web link she even gave him like a card with instructions on how to apply for a job and they're talking through it for I don't know like 45 seconds and then all of a sudden on a dime this guy turns the conversation into like Oh well, I'm not really interested. Uh, I don't think I really want to work here, but I, I want to buy the store. Is the store for sale? <laughs> the weird, like, Frito. It was the American dream in 90 seconds because th- this guy goes from inquiring about becoming a barista or a cashier, essentially, to w- within a minute he's asking her if if this specific store is for sale. She said no, I don't believe it is, and then from that he pivots to well i'm interested in opening a franchise like uh, how how do i open a franchise and and she's explained and and, and the, the the woman the woman who worked there was as dumbfounded as i was like you could tell by the way she was like oh well uh oh yeah but the, the, you, you have to look online for franchise information and like he sounded serious about it so i don't know in a matter of 90 seconds this man went from asking about how to apply for a job working the register and making coffee at Dunkin Donuts to <laughs> b point, point a was applying for a job point b was buying that specific store and when he found out that store wasn't for sale point c was opening up a franchise and it was it, it was the weirdest thing and as this guy's like walking out you know he, he couldn't see me smiling at him cuz i had a face mask on as he did but uh, I, I gave the guy like like a, like a, hey, how you doing? And he just like stared right past me and kept walking. Like he didn't even want to talk. Like he, he was so focused on opening up his Dunkin' Donuts store. I, I couldn't even uh, chat with this guy. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I
2: and mean, that's an enormous leap from wanting a, a, you know, a job as a, you know, as an employee to all of a sudden wanting to, uh, to buy one. But I'm also thinking, why would anybody want to buy a business right now? I mean, it's. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, yeah. it's, it's. I the, sometimes I go when I, would take my daughter to her dance camp. And even now she still goes there. Um, there's a Dunkin' Donuts on the way on 120th Street. And I stop in there and and they know me by now. They, you know, they know me, oh, here's your coffee. Here's your equal. You like that. They, they hand it all to me. Uh, but, you know, it used to be shoulder to shoulder in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now you walk right up to the counter. There's just nobody there. Not even many people to go through the drive through yeah. which is what I usually do now anyway, just kind of avoid you know, being inside all, even though I wore a mask, but God, it's right. I'll be the last time. Well, there's no way I'd buy a thing like, like that right now.
1: Well, I mean, I I don't know much about buying businesses, but do you think maybe you kind of look at this, like the stock market to buy low? It's like, maybe, maybe I can get a great price on a Dunkin' Donuts franchise now. And then God willing in six months, there's a vaccine and everybody goes back to normal and then I'm killing it. Like I, I get in at a discount price. And then, and then I'm doing like triple the business in six months. That might yeah, be a way to look is. at it.
2: Yeah, you know, or else you look at, yeah, exactly. Or else you look at buying things that make sense to to the COVID pandemic or, uh, you know, that are resulting from that. Or as you say, prices are so depressed, maybe it's a, uh, you know, it's a good time. My brother is, is retired, so he trades stocks a lot. One of the things he bought stocks in, and he and made a ton of money on it, was a company that makes RVs because. Oh, really? You know, you figure is people don't want to fly now. They travel with RVs. He made a killing in this. I just made like three times when he invested because the company's stock value has has gone way up. So yeah, there are buying opportunities, I guess, but that's a weird story. I want to be an employee and and serve coffee and donuts. Now I want to buy the place. That's quite (laughs) a lot. I
1: I have kind of a similar personal story, and I haven't really taken this anywhere, but this just goes to show you how strange I am, Frito. And It's not like just full disclosure, it's not like I really have a lot of like disposable income or anything, especially not right now. But recently, and I think it was during a time when I I wasn't really doing anything when I was quarantined and I was getting really, really bored. I decided to look into maybe I need to figure out what this like day trading and stock market thing is all about. Like like maybe this is something I might be interested in doing. Okay, so I did like Mm -hmm. a half a day's worth of research. I I even downloaded like a, like a stock trading app onto my phone. But at the end of the day, I didn't even end up like putting any money in the account for this. I kind of just like, it was one of those things where I had the idea. I researched it for a couple hours. I downloaded the app and I didn't go anywhere with it. And I'll tell you why I didn't go anywhere with it. After doing a couple of hours of research on day trading, my head was spinning. I realized I know nothing about the real world. So instead of moving forward with a day trading app, Frito, I downloaded a sports betting app and I figured, <laughs> you know what? I have a better chance of making this portfolio work because at the end, and, and I haven't really done anything with uh, with the sports betting either, but I'm kind of looking into it because a couple of friends of mine are into it. And, you know, they, they're, they're pretty conservative with the wagers they place. Like they're, they're not going to end up in debt to Tony Soprano anytime soon. I'll just put it that way, but I'm kind of looking into that now, but it's like, I come to realize what a sports bubble that I live in, where for half a day, for half a day I'm contemplating day trading, and then by the end of the day I realize my better shot would actually be day trading with sports betting than day trading with the stock market.
2: Well, I'll tell you what yeah, I think. I told I know you have told this before that you know before I got into this business I was an options clerk and an options trader on one of those trading floors which no longer exists because everything's done by a computer. You know, it used to be like four thousand people on these trading floors buying and selling. Different commodities and things like that, and yeah. boy, I don't miss I don't miss that business at uh, you know at, at all. If it, you talk about stressful, it's I mean you know you can go from rich to poor in you know in the blink of an eye. One bad trade, and you can you know be 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 done with. And uh, boy, I don't I don't miss that at all. But um, you said sports betting. Do you bet on like like I I'm thinking of making. I want to see what the Super Bowl odds. I want to see what over unders are for certain teams. Uh-huh. Uh, but do you do any of that or do you just do fantasy football?
1: I do about no rarely. I, I do about as much as you do. In fact, the last time I placed a wager on any sports game, Frito, you were in with me on it. You remember we put a we put because uh, our, our buddy Hawkman was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So you and I, we shared a wager on the over for the over-under oh, of yeah. the of the Patriots Chiefs <laughs> AFC championship game from two years ago that that's the last time I bet on and, any, I mean, I mean, assuming we don't count fantasy football, that was the last time I wagered on anything and we won. So I quit while I was ahead.
2: We bought, we, we bet the over and the first half was such a low scoring first half. And I thought yep. that's it, we're done and they, they couldn't score enough points in the second half. I mean, we like easily, yeah. won, we, we won this bet.
1: And we won it so comfortably that even though yeah. the game, the game went to overtime, we didn't need the overtime. We'd already hit the over.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I just want to see, I don't know about over-unders, but I want to see the Super Bowl odds and just see, uh, you know, what those are like. And I don't know if I'm going to bet anything, but just to, you know, just to get an idea of, of, of where things stand and, and, you know, what they are. And, um, you know, I, who knows? I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's just fun to see something like that. I, you know, I want to, can we segue for a second to the NBA? Absolutely. In fact, you know, the, I wanted to,
1: because my Miami they, Heat are kicking ass out there.
2: Yeah. I know we don't have much time this time, but we can continue the next one, but they're up 2-0. And obviously you've got to play well enough to beat, you know, the, the, the top seed, right? I mean, they're out of the number one seed. Yeah. And right, and you've got to play well enough to beat them, but also there's no home court advantage. I mean, yeah, Milwaukee is the home team, but what does that mean? Everybody's playing in an empty arena, you know, and and, and I'm, we're going to get back to baseball. It means basketball. you have more.
1: It means you have more virtual fans watching the game through Zoom on that big board. That's all. Yeah. It is.
2: You know, and 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 like in baseball, it's going to be eight teams in a league, and if you're the eighth team, but you're playing the number one seed, you it's, it's only a three game first round. So the, yeah. f- the number one seed can lose easily. You pitch a couple of great pictures, even if you're the a seed, and you if you win two games, that's it. The double the best team in baseball is all of a sudden knocked out and, and watching from the sidelines. So it's it's. It's very uh, football, of course, a single elimination. But you know, with the NBA and uh, you know, and 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 baseball and like that, it's, it's 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 really unusual. The playoffs are going to be are so different this year. And uh, again, no home home field home court advantage whatsoever.
1: We'll continue the conversation on the other side, Alex Dono alongside Josh Friedman. We're here on the Dono and Frito Show, Sirius XM Channel One Forty Five Slam Radio. Hey, look
0: what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Series XM 145 Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
3: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m you win
6: love your kids love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat from toddlers to tweens visit nhtsa.gov the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size keep them safe visit nhtsa.gov the right seat brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council
3: text and work text and pretend to work text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working who me Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit stoptexts, stoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the ad council.
0: We'll be back with the Donovan Frito show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for
4: him. Did you take steroids? Did you take steroids? Why how can I but do would, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not gonna answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why
1: not? I'm asking him. I bet he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so definitely. why can't he answer the last up. one?
4: He's gonna hang up on us. Why can't
1: he answer the last one?
4: He's gonna hang up
5: on
1: us. Just tell me, no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity
4: for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids, eh, platanos? <laughs> <laughs>
7: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays. 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145, Slam Radio.
8: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's very important for you to talk to someone
5: about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom will figure it out.
9: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
4: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You've you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
10: This is WWE Superstar, The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio.
0: And now we're back with the Donovan Frito
1: Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 2-0! 6-0 in the playoffs, actually. I mean, Frito, I I know we have a lot more we want to get into over the next 38 minutes here on the Donovan Frito Show, but I am inspired, inspired by the heat is on. I am inspired by Eric Spolstra's team holding a 2-0 series lead against the number one seeds. Maintaining defending Giannis onto Kumpo. Mm-hmm. That was a crazy game and a crazy finish last night, Frito, with the Heat taking the 2 0 series lead. The last time a playoff game ever ended with no time on the clock mm-hmm. at the free throw line, like the way it did last night, the last time that happened and a playoff game was 1979. The only two times it's ever happened were in 74 and 79. We We don't often see a game, a playoff game, finish the way that one did with Jimmy Butler at the line
2: other than I'm curious maybe you guys can can help me here other than for betting purposes why did he need to shoot the second free throw he made the I was first one
1: I, I, yeah game I, I was wondering the exact same thing I, I was wondering that be, yeah and, and and I don't I don't think that that I I wasn't even sure what the odds were before the game I I'm, I'm assuming Milwaukee was favored I think by six maybe the over under though True, true. But but, but 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 my point is, though, that even if those two free throws did not specifically affect the betting lines for that game, I think as a matter of principle, you have to make sure that anytime you're in that spot, you take both free throws. Because you don't want to just like pick and choose. Like, okay, for this game, you need the free throws to hit the over. But if we didn't need the free throws to hit the over, you don't have to take. Like, I think you have to be consistent. And it may be because of betting, like, it might be because of the integrity of the sports books and the bets that are paid out. But what I'm saying is, I don't think you can pick and choose whether or not Jimmy Butler has to take both or not. I think you have to be consistent on that. Otherwise, it looks like you're trying to cater to the gambling. Uh, aspect of it, which I don't think they want to do, but they want to stay
4: consistent on that no matter what. Well, by him taking the second shot or both shots, it makes the game official. By him just taking one shot, you kind of leave yourself open for somebody to say, hey, the game wasn't technically finished.
1: The second Uh, shot was never taken. Okay. I could see that.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, they they won the game. There was no time. Milwaukee couldn't win it. I guess what I'm comparing it to is, let's say, you know, you're down by a run and, you know, bases are loaded and bottom of the ninth in baseball, if you hit a grand slam, it's not just like two runs count and you win the game by a run, all four runs count,
10: mm-hmm.
2: you know, if you hit a grand slam. So I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to text one of the writers and see, uh, uh, you know, what that reason is. Maybe, if, you know, what you guys are saying is, is, is plausible. It just, it surprised me. And I also loved at the end of that game, when Goran Dragic was called for a foul, you know, I thought he went straight up. Yeah, it was BS. That foul. was
1: verticality. No foul there.
2: Right. That was Middleton of it, right? It wasn't that Middleton, Chris Middleton. And uh Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't see it. And then Steve, they bring in Steve Jabby, the guy who was a former referee, and Doris Burke is She's holding her ground. I couldn't disagree with you more. I she was really I love her. Very, oh, she's great. And I love her standing her ground. Like no, Steve, you're I, I know you know more than I do, and you know, maybe you have more your opinion is more valid, but I disagree with you. I didn't see the foul whatsoever and the NBA reviewed it and said the right call was made, Meh. but I sure didn't think Goran did anything wrong. I mean, he's got a right to stand his ground as well.
1: And, and all my memories of Steve Javi when he was an NBA referee are terrible. And even Pat Riley, <laughs> Pat Riley used to want to strangle that guy. Pat Riley despised <laughs> Steve Javi. So I, I personally, I believe Doris Burke knows more about officiating than that fraud. Cause I watched him for many years and, uh, I think maybe the only the only NBA referee that I respect less was Tim Donahue, like because he was on the take, but Steve Javi, I just thought never did a good job. But I keep thinking about what we were just talking about with why with why Jimmy had to take both of those free throws, even though there was no time left on the clock because I've seen college football games like the example that's in my mind, maybe they've since changed this rule. I don't know, but i I, I distinctly remember. 2001 Miami Hurricanes, when they won a game at Boston College, and it was very dramatic because Boston College was driving. I think B.C. was down by like four points, five points, and Boston College was driving very end of the game. They were trying to win it with a game-winning touchdown. Instead of that, Miami got an interception that Ed Reed took to the house as time expired to secure the game for Miami, And they didn't kick the extra point because they didn't they didn't have to. Like, right. like like mathematically, the extra point, maybe for gambling purposes, it might have. I don't know. But mathematically, to win the game, the extra point was unnecessary. He scored a touchdown. as time expired. They didn't even line up and take the extra point. It was unnecessary. So so which feels a lot different. Like it, it should have been the same scenario with Jimmy Butler. Like you take the first free throw. You win, game is over. Why even take the second one? Just like when Ed Reed scored that touchdown, Miami wins, yeah. game over. We're not even going to line up and take the extra point. We don't have to.
2: You're a big Heat fan. If the Heat somehow prevail and win the title, now be honest. I want to. I want to. If you can put on your objective, Pat, and maybe you can't because you're born and raised here. You're a Heat fan. Is it? Does it feel legitimate? I mean, it, yeah. on one hand, you would say, look it. it everybody's operating the same nobody's got yep. an advantage it's it's it, i know it's a shortened season but nonetheless if they win the championship is, is it like any other championship
1: uh well i i think i think those are two different questions on the question of whether it's legitimate absolutely yes because like you said every team are in the same conditions And yeah, I mean, you you did have a a handful of players who opted out before going into the bubble, but it's not, not, not really that many significant players. Like all, all the superstars are still there. It doesn't really make your road to the NBA finals any easier. Um, So I, I would absolutely consider it a legitimate championship. Um, it, it definitely would feel different from any other year uh, only because of the journey to get there. I think the destination is legitimate. The journey is just a strange one. Uh, it, it, it's definitely fortunate that, you know, you're, you're essentially taking home court advantage away from the top seeds, but still it's not like you took it away from them and gave it to Miami. Like you're still under the same conditions. And, it, and if Milwaukee is really, this incredible team that they're supposed to be and Giannis Antetokounmpo is the second coming, you know, you you should be able to beat the lowly five seed heat, whether you're at a neutral site in an empty arena, you should be the better team. Uh, The papers say you're a better team. That's what the odds makers say. And and so if the heat still end up winning the series and if by some miracle, they win an NBA championship, I, 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 I'm going to look at it completely legitimate. Am I right to say that?
2: Yeah, I would think, I mean, uh, you know, I, okay let me ask you this if the Knicks won the title they can't but if they did would it be legitimate
1: uh yeah I know what you're trying to do to me you're trying to wrap oh I'm trying to absolutely
2: absolutely. well first of all the the, the Knicks would
1: never you 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 could have 28 teams forfeit the season there's only two teams left the Knicks are one of them they're not winning a championship okay so that that's number one (laughs) number two is you know okay to be consistent and to be fair if in this same situation, the Knicks were able to win a championship under these circumstances, I wouldn't like it, but I, I would—I would have to say it's legitimate. Yeah.
2: By the way, speaking of the Knicks in New York, did you unless I saw this wrong? Did you see who's going to be the next coach of the Nets?
1: Yes, Steve Nash. Steve Nash.
8: Yeah.
2: It's, now it's so great. You know, guys like Kyrie or, 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 or KD. I mean, I saw a tweet by somebody saying they only want to be coached by someone who's like a peer and he's a two-time right. MVP, you know? Um, I just, I don't know if he's ever had any coaching experience. Has he he? Hasn't. Even and, at and,
1: day? I mean, for, for the, Frito, for the past <laughs> several years, um, I, I don't, I don't know if this is all he's done for the past several years, but Steve Nash has been working as a soccer analyst for Fox. So, like, it, it's so strange. Like he's hmm. not even been working as a basketball. He's been, cause he loves soccer. He's been working as a oh, soccer he's training, analyst. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, right. Yeah, he did. I mean, obviously, not not to the high level. He played basketball, but yeah, he's been working as a soccer. I think he's like the part owner of some like third division club in England as well. So he has like investments in soccer. But but he's like he's kind of been away from basketball. Now, I'm not saying Steve Nash can't be a great NBA coach because, you know, he was always a cerebral player, and I think point guards can make very good coaches because they they really know how to see and read games, okay? So he may translate into being a tremendous coach. I just think it's so weird when you see cases like Steve Nash or like Jason Kidd a few years ago. I think even Steve Kerr was in a similar spot uh, where you've got guys who completely skip being assistant coaches or being head coaches in like college or smaller leagues or overseas or something, and they skip every step and just go from no coaching experience to NBA head coaching experience. That's a weird one to me, where yeah, I, I think there might be a learning curve for Steve Nash. I don't know if he's going to succeed right away.
2: Well, if I were him, I mean, like the Cubs have David Ross as their manager, a longtime player, but almost a backup in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in Major League Baseball. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, if, if you hire somebody like that with no managing or coaching experience, I, if I'm Steve Nash, I'm finding the an experienced NBA head coach. I'm not, you know, right. so I'm not. I'm I feel confident. I don't have to look over my shoulder that he's necessarily going to want my job. But I want someone that's seen every nook and cranny as a head coach, an experienced And, experience, and I, he's experienced it as a player, but it's different. You're looking from the other side of the prism when you're a coach. And if I'm Steve Nash, I'm finding an incredible incredibly veteran coach NBA head coach and saying you're my top I want you sitting next to me on the bench because you might have seen things that that and looked at things a different way than I ever could
1: and you especially need that at his spot because not only are you dealing with superstar players which is not as easy as people think but you're dealing with quirky superstar players like I mean Kevin Durant can be you know, he can be like a, a little bit uh, moody, for lack of a better word. And Kyrie Irving is a full-on lunatic, right? I mean, w- w- when it comes to dealing with egos like that, where – because Kyrie has been known to be a problem in some locker rooms. Like, he's been known to be really big on the player power. Sometimes he can, you know, maybe have a little bit of a bad influence on some of the younger players in his locker room. And and, and it's going to be a little bit more of a self-centered guy. I mean, I, I don't really think Kevin Durant is a bad teammate, but Kevin Durant has had like the weird social media things where he's got the mm-hmm. burner accounts. He, he seems like a very high-maintenance guy. And so it's not really an easy spot for your first head coaching job to be dealing with characters and egos like that.
2: Agree or disagree here? See, first of all, I think – let me finish this whole thing before you I, before I agree or disagree. But I think Eric Spolster is, is, is unfairly maligned. Oh, he's never won anything without LeBron. But you know, it's it's not like you could just people say anybody. You know, you pick a guy off the street, you know, Fred from Miramar, and, and my favorite fictional guy, and make him the head coach of the Heat with the Big Three, and he would have won multiple titles just like Eric Spoelstra. He won two titles in four years. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I think maybe even as much as X's and O's, maybe even more than X's and O's. I think Eric Spoelstra's biggest con, uh, biggest contribution as head coach of the heat was managing egos and right. the, the egos of the big three and maybe a couple other guys on that team. And remember the, the, things didn't get off particularly well. Remember, I don't know people out of town rem, remember this, but there was bump gate when, the, <laughs> when uh, LeBron James bumped into Eric Spolstra as he was walking toward the sidelines during a, a, a timeout and bumped him. And, you know, oh, my God, the, the, the basketball world went crazy. What a sign of disrespect. And the Heat were something like 9-8 and then uh, in the first 17 games. And then after Bumpgate, they went on like a 16-1 to run. I don't know if you could connect those dots. But I think, you know, for a guy like Steve Nash, he's got Kyrie, he's got KD. Eric Spolster had the big three. I think in this day and age, particularly with social media and all the attention that gets thrown on people, I think managing egos is incredibly important. Uh, and and I, I think as much as perhaps X's and O's.
1: Not only that, and you're absolutely right. And to that note, I think anybody who tries to discount Eric Spolstra, <laughs> and I hear this a lot, they try to discount Eric Spolstra as a guy who could only win with LeBron James and the big three. These are people who either don't know basketball or they have an agenda against the Heat and Coach Spo because not only did Spo win championships with the big three, but I've also seen him get incredible results, short of title, sure, but get incredible results out of teams that I believe punched above their weight post-LeBron. So I've seen Spoelstra not only do an excellent job securing and winning championships with supremely talented teams, but I've also seen Spo you know, take rosters that probably had no business winning more than 37, 38 games into the playoffs and even winning some playoff series here and there. And and you see what he's doing now, you know, a, a good roster, but not an elite roster. You see what he's doing now with this current squad. I mean, to me, I, I think Eric Spolstra checks off every box. Like he, he checks off the quote unquote, Phil Jackson box where, you know, he can work with superstars and egos, but he also checks off what I call the Tom Thibodeau box. Where he shows he can get the most out of a roster that has limitations, right? And and very rarely, very rarely do you find people who can do both because for as much respect as I have for Tom Thibodeau for for getting, you know, rosters to punch above their weight and probably overperform. Uh, That guy can't really work with superstars because he doesn't know how to maintain players' bodies and and rest players when he just runs everybody into the ground. And superstars really hate that guy, and he's got an abrasive personality. So a Tom Thibodeau type is someone who can really only work with young, hungry teams because he doesn't get as much respect from veterans because they don't want to have to play 48 minutes every damn night for 82 games plus the playoffs. Whereas, you know, a guy like Phil Jackson, who, you know, if you just go by hardware, you can argue by hardware, incredible coach, one of the greatest or one of the two greatest of all time. And yet I'm, I'm not really sure if Phil Jackson can, can work with a team of underachievers because you only ever really saw him coaching teams that had Michael and Scotty or, 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 uh, or Shaq and Kobe and then uh, Kobe and Pau Gasol later on. Whereas Eric Spolster has shown he can achieve in both ways.
2: You know, I, I like with Tom Thibodeau, When I think of him, and this carries on to what you were saying, you know, he had Derrick Rose, who was the MVP one year in 2012, I think, when everybody thought LeBron was going to. 2011. Gonna win it. 11, okay. And, um, you know, it was the Bulls were playing a game. I don't remember if they were way up or way down, but Derrick Rose should not have been in that game. It was for the end of the game, and he injured his knee. And I don't think he ever was the same after that injury. Nope. It took a long time. You know, Michael Jordan has the big statue of him flying through the air. It's outside the United Center in Chicago. And Derrick Rose was hurt so often that I saw uh, uh, like a cartoon one time or a drawing that said, "You know, here's the Derrick Rose statue when it's him sitting on a folding chair on the sidelines." You know, all these <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> Let yeah.
8: me ask you, I oh,
2: let's see, a year from now when the playoffs begin, or actually a few months from now, whenever, whenever they begin the NBA season next season. Know, maybe they'll they'll shift. I don't know. Maybe they'll play in the summer. Maybe. Yes or yes or no. Anson Tatumpo is playing for the Heat.
1: Um. Well, it, it would be he's not a he's a free agent in the summer of twenty twenty one. Oh, I thought I thought he was yeah. next year.
2: Yeah. So so. so well, yeah, it's the summer I mean, of
1: twenty twenty one. I don't. Right
2: when, when are they going to start up again?
1: Probably could be like December January. Oh, and, so he's uh, got
2: one more year. I'm sorry, I yeah, thought he he's was... got
1: one more year with Milwaukee. Okay,
2: true or false?
1: But there rumor there yeah. are rumors and reports already
10: surfacing today that the talks are within the NBA inner circle that the Raptors and the Heat are the leading two teams for Giannis. I love it. Well,
2: so, uh, true or false? Somebody from the Heat has whispered in his ear, Jimmy Butler or something. You know, maybe helping him out before and go come play for us. You know, just <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> There's some yeah, but, recruiting but, going on there, but you know what the
1: funny thing about it is, and I don't want anyone to misconstrue this to think I'm saying I don't want Giannis Antetokounmpo because I, I clearly do.
2: And Alexander doesn't want Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo.
1: Uh Well, but, but Frito, the Heat have done such a good job, yeah. matching up against him that I'm starting now to look at Giannis differently. That because because prior, and and I huge overreaction to two playoff games, probably maybe not. But prior to this series, I always looked at Giannis as generational, end all, be all. This guy is going to be, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. one of the uh, the LeBron James equivalents of this coming generation of young players. Now I'm starting to wonder. Now I'm starting to wonder if, like, he's still a great player, but like, there's a gap I think between great and generational. And now I'm starting to wonder if he's. Closer to great than he is to generational. We'll we'll wrap it up. One more segment coming up. Dono and Frito Show here on Sirius XM channel 145 SLAM Radio.
4: Hey, look what I found. A radio.
0: Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
3: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch your soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win.
6: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National
3: Highway Traffic Safety
6: Administration and the Ad
3: Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with the Donovan and Frito Show on SiriusXM XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Good
3: evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Setting up the defense for Derek Jeter's Dating Diamond, in left field, Mariah Carey, the center fielder, Jessica Alba, and right field, Jessica Biel, in the infield at shortstop, Scarta Johansson, at third base, Vanessa Manillo. I think I
8: said that wrong.
7: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145, Slam Radio.
9: A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
4: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney, who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So What do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow You know, this is what it's all about and not only that it's never about making it guys it's always about maintaining it. that's the toughest part
0: on behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio we would like to thank you Pitbull for making this dream become a reality
4: this is WWE Superstar the Big Show and you're
10: listening to Slam Radio
0: and now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio
1: Yeah, take it up till one o'clock. We were just talking some NBA basketball in the previous segment. I'm still in a little bit of disbelief that the Miami Heat have the 2-0 lead on the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I wasn't surprised, at least I wasn't shocked, that the Heat took game one. And I'm fully aware of the fact that before that series began, the Heat were the trendy hipster pick, right? Because even though Milwaukee were favored to win the series, if you watch any of like the NBA talking head shows, like the first takes of the world and the NBA countdowns and stuff, a lot of the analysts were saying as if it was like their idea that they came up with their inspired that, hey. I really think the Miami Heat can upset the Milwaukee Bucks, and, and to be fair, still need two more victories. So I'm not I'm not declaring the Bucks dead and buried or anything like that. They still they still have a shot with uh, with Giannis and the talent that they have in that team. But uh, but so even though the Heat were like a trendy pre-series hipster pick, a lot of people thought, oh, I, I have this really ingenious idea that the Heat are going to win this series, and uh, and I was happy, Frito, to hear the Heat getting so much respect, and I and I do appreciate the fact that. They match up pretty well with Milwaukee. Wasn't shocked that the Heat won game one. But I was honestly shocked that they took the 2-0 series lead. I really expected Milwaukee to respond and, if not hammer the Heat last night, at least win the game somewhat comfortably to flex a little bit. And, listen, it ended up being a razor-thin game. It was uh, free throws for Jimmy Butler as at after time it expired – Uh, that made the difference but it wasn't even really that close like the officiating was atrocious but I thought more calls went against the heat than the bucks and the heat had a double digit lead for most of that game like Milwaukee is actually fortunate that it was that close down the stretch Like I'm so shocked but so impressed the heat have the two nothing lead here
2: how much and I am I'm circling around for a second how much you Attribute that to the fact that there's no home court advantage for Milwaukee. None. You know, teams feed off the energy of playing on their own home courts. They feed off that. You know, and if someone makes a big dunk or a three point shot, whatever the case may be, the crowd is on their feet. They're they're going insane. There's none of that. And then I think that gives an advantage to whomever the underdog is.
1: I think that has a lot to do with it, actually. Now that you bring that up, because uh, because something that we we always attribute this to playoff basketball, because it usually goes this way that the officials are going to swallow their whistles more in the playoffs and and they they're, they're going to probably maybe allow some fouls to happen uncalled more physicality than they would in the regular season that, that that's like a hate to revisit this topic but that's like an unwritten rule of the NBA playoffs is that the officials are going to are going to let you get away with a little more and it it certainly didn't happen in that game last night because that referee was He did miss, I think, some fouls committed by Giannis Antetokounmpo, who probably should have fouled Mm -hmm. out of that game. But outside of that, he was very strict with that whistle. And and there was a lot of ticky-tack stuff that was called in that game, which goes against that playoff unwritten rule. I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that you don't have a raucous crowd in in either, you know, whether whether it's the home team or or the away team, uh, either way, you're usually officiating in front of 20,000 crazy loud fans. And and maybe that kind of affects the way you call a game emotionally when you're calling a game in an empty arena in Disney world, maybe it feels more like a, like a training game uh, and the referee is just going to call things by the book, but he even went beyond by the book because he was whistling things I thought shouldn't be called in any situation, but it was just so bizarre to see the game called like that in a playoff game. And I wonder if what you said had a lot to do with it.
2: You know, you reminded me of something. I've I've asked athletes about this. Uh, I've asked basketball players, baseball players, football players about this. You know, you, you won't see any of that this year because are you no know, fans in the stands. But I've asked them, what's it like to take the crowd out of a game? And it, you know, they're like the answer. Well, except for winning, it's the greatest thing. It's absolutely the best. You know, you're you you the crowd's going crazy and you're playing football and you have a pick six and you run it back and all of a sudden the home team is down or the lead is dissipated. And they said, uh, I remember talking to a couple of linebackers, they said you could just see the crowd sitting down like, oh, in their collective seat, yeah. just take the wind out of them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, for, you know, an underdog team, I mean, uh, I don't know. There's no crowd to silence, but maybe you can take the wind out of them. And I'm wondering, look, it's hard for me to envision the Heat losing four of the next five games. I mean, they're not a dynasty, but that's pretty tough for, and I think for an Eric Spolstra uh, coach team to uh, to do that, but I will remind you, different sport, and this is going back a long time. But in 1996, the Yankees played the Braves in the World Series. The Braves won the first two games games in New York. They won it in Yankee Stadium, so they had to you know win to, you know, or they did not lose four of the next five. And they, the series went back to uh, Atlanta, and guess what? The Yankees ended up winning the World Series. So oh, I'm uh, the Heat fans. I would just say don't don't take this for granted. Don't count it over. It's not. There's a lot of basketball, uh, you know, left to be played. But uh, just take it easy. Don't don't pour champagne on making it to the Eastern Conference Finals just yet.
1: Yeah, the sports gods would not allow me to have that much satisfaction. I know we've talked about this before, you and I. I'm very superstitious when it comes to sports. And my my wife gets really annoyed when I have my quirky <laughs> superstitions. And, and what she always says to me, because she's not a sports fan, so she just, she can't understand this mentality. She always tells me, like, how can you really be egotistical enough to think that the pair of socks that you put on or or, or 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 the couch that you're sitting on during a game is somehow going to affect an outcome. And my answer to her is always the same. I agree with you. I'm sure well, you're right, but why would I risk it?
2: Don't say <laughs> I mean I'm I'm the same thing. You know, if, if, like just to carry on what you said, if I really put my socks on this way, this you know, the left foot and then the right foot or whatever, is that gonna make a difference? Is it gonna make a difference? You know, when, when I watched the Cubs in the World Series and when, when I was watching the games at home, we had new tile uh, put in. And if I sat on my couch and I put my right foot on this tile and my left foot on this tile, genu- generally, generally things went well. So, you know, gamblers and fans of sports teams were very superstitious. We're just like yeah. that. And tell Rebecca, it's not an ego. It's just that yeah. we control the karma of the entire universe. That's all.
1: Oh, and and by the way, uh, I I this this line of thinking was passed down to me by my father, who I imagine it was probably passed down by his father. My father is a statistician, very logical man. You know, he's a a statistics and finance professor, so he's not the type you wouldn't think to buy into superstition. And yet, and yet, my father. <laughs> is so hardcore. Like I'm wearing uh, this jersey, uh, Frito, for for Inter Milan. You know, my father grew up in Milan. This is the soccer team we root for. A few months back, my father decided, or he would say realized that they never play well when he's watching the game live. So to (laughs) sacrifice, to sacrifice to help the team, he stopped watching the games live, would record them and watch them later because he was convinced that if he was watching a game live, it was going to somehow cause them to play poorly. So he would only DVR and watch on tape. And he loves the team. So he made that sacrifice. And this is a mathematician doing that. So you can imagine, like, I I am destined to be superstitious.
2: I can't watch a game that's already going watched watch where everybody I know knows the results. And I don't. First of all, you have to stay off social media completely. Well, I mean, who do you
1: think you're talking about here? He's he's not even on Facebook. He's not on okay. anything.
2: Well, but you've got to you know, avoid looking at the crawl. You know, it's going to list yeah. the score. Uh, it's, it's, it's not that easy to be, uh, you know, to, to, to do that. And I, I don't know. I just can't, I can't watch a team like that. I just, I can't watch a team yeah. uh, like that. Uh, and uh, it's funny. He's that superstitious. That's pretty. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you picked up any uh, superstitions from him?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, it's like all, all my sports superstition comes from that. Like I, I can remember watching with my, my, my mom and my dad, when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, uh, like I was like 10 years old, the 1994 World Cup, the World Cup final was Italy, the Italian national team who we were rooting for mm-hmm. against Brazil. And Italy ended up losing the game in penalty kicks, but it was a very nervy, tense type of game. And at some point during the game, my father decided I was the reason why they weren't playing well. So he told me, <laughs> I, I couldn't watch the game with him. I had to go to another room. So I we, we had like a second TV in my parents' bedroom. I was watching the game on the second TV. Things still weren't going well. He comes over and notified me, you leaving the room was not good enough. I need you to stop watching the game. <laughs> so, I, so I had to stop watching the game completely. And we ended up losing uh, on penalty kicks. And so uh, I mean, we, we tried everything, Frito. We, we tried everything, but it didn't help.
2: You know, if, if 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 you stopped watching, I don't, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this, and the team won. I mean, you could name your price, Dad. You've got to give me this, otherwise, I'm going to watch the game.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I have uh, blackmail. I, I, yeah, I mean, I I have a sister, but I would have become the favorite child instantly if that had worked. Like, if it, since it didn't work, unfortunately, second fiddle for the rest of my life. I, I was never the favorite, but if that had worked, I would have been the favorite child.
2: How many episodes of Sopranos are you going to watch between now and next Thursday?
1: Probably quite a few because I've I've had a really busy last couple of days. But my uh, outside of the fact that I've I've got to take care of a, of a human being and my my two and a half year old who does not have the patience for the Sopranos. But every free minute I get will be spent on that. So I'm
2: and, and I, I would Sopranos. make a prediction.
1: Yeah, go I, I you to
2: YouTube.
1: I got to watch that as well. My prediction is that by next Thursday, I'll probably be done with season two.
2: Lots, a lot of that's a lot of episodes because we show great good. season two
1: yeah oh man so really good stuff enjoyable as always huge congratulations to the miami heat taking the two series lead over milwaukee two more to go i'm not going to say the series is over in fact i'm going to say it frito milwaukee's going to win the series they're going to come back and, and handle the heat
2: easily You see but, what i'm
1: doing here it's reverse Yeah. Reverse jinx.
2: reverse jinx
1: it's the reverse jinx milwaukee's gonna win the win the series in six no problem my friends no problem uh-huh. Huge thank you to Jamie Eisenberg from CBS sports for joining us, talking some fantasy football. I realized one thing I forgot to ask Jamie about was strategies for an auction draft. Cause we were asking about like specific players and stuff. I've got an auction draft coming up on the seventh and I, I don't really have a, stu- I might have to well, hit him up privately.
2: Well, yeah. To hit him up privately or go to his Twitter account and he lists all these, uh, you know, articles he's written or shows he's done talking about uh, a plethora of subjects. Good luck with your draft.
1: Thank you. Yours as well. well when is yeah. yours? Next Tuesday. Okay, great. So I got mine and the Monday. And starts a week
2: from today. I That's think right. it's a huge in the Chiefs.
1: So a, a huge thanks to Frank Fernandez for running the board back there, doing fantastic work. Thanks, thanks to Larry the Amigo for everything he does, for getting us Larry. on the air. We will talk to everyone next Thursday, 11 a.m. Note the new start time, 11 a.m. right here on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio.
0: The views and opinions expressed on the Dono and Frito show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.